Hello, good people. My name is Matthew Korf, and I'm speaking to you from Pennsylvania in the United States. I want to share with you the things that God has done in my life to take me out of the chains of addiction and incarceration into a life of purpose and fulfillment. I would like to begin by reading Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, then I will share my story. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I was raised in a Christian home. This made me unpopular in elementary and middle school. I was bullied in school until seventh grade when a neighbor introduced me to marijuana. I began using so that I would be considered cool. Around the age of 16, I was put on probation for burglary of a few different local businesses and a school. This is when I began using prescription pain medicine, because they do not stay in your system as long as marijuana does for drug tests. They actually taught us that in one of my probation drug classes. When I graduated from high school, I became addicted to Oxycontin, and because of a more than $200 a day habit, I began to steal so I could pay for it. This led me in and out of jail eight times, finally sending me to prison. But God. Before going to prison, an inmate is placed in a maximum security cell for evaluation. My roommate had 70 years for murder. I heard the stories of how he would never hold his family again. And it was at that time that I said to myself, whether there's a God or not, the Bible will make me like my dad. My dad was always a shining light in my life. He would get up early every day so that he could read the Bible and pray. He would come out of his study room glowing. My friends and I used to say, whatever drug he's on, we want some of that. After finally arriving at the long-term prison, I began going to the inmate-led church. I had been forced to go to church for 24 years, so I knew I could help teach my fellow prisoners. But what I found out was that when they opened the scriptures, they spoke of the Lord in ways that were beyond me. I asked them what I had to do to see the scriptures the way they did. That's when they told me I needed to seek a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Within a few months, I was the one preaching to the inmate-led church. 
We also tithed our commissary so that we could hand out some food and Bible study slash service times to newcomers who didn't have commissary and those who couldn't afford it. We had our own prison ministries within the bars. When I left prison in Indiana, I applied for Johnson Bible College in Tennessee. I was accepted but wasn't able to visit the campus yet because I was still on parole and a term of the parole is that one can't leave the state that they're in. So my parole ended April of 2010 and I started Bible college the next semester. I wish that were the end of my testimony, but after a few weeks being out of prison, I had a wisdom tooth removed. I took the pain medication they prescribed me and got addicted again. This time with the Lord, however, it was different. I would do some pills, then repent of it, and around six months later, I would fall back into that pattern. A few years into this, my wife and I got married. After our first anniversary, I met someone in Tennessee who could get pills for me. But I kept it behind my wife's back. One day, he wasn't able to get pills, so I asked him to let me try what he made, and that was methamphetamine. Now, not only did he let me try it, but he taught me how to make it. And this made me very addicted again. After a year of hiding my addiction from my wife, she found out and left me. But we got back together, separated, got back together, separated, and back together again. Each time this happened, I assured her that I'd quit, even though it was a lie. During that time, I took a year off between Bible college and seminary. I used this time to go through a Celebrate Recovery 12-step program and work on our marriage. About a year and a few relapses later, I was at work when, all of a sudden, I stood up and my heart started beating. I found out later, 212 beats per minute. When it first happened, I laid back in my truck and hoped it would go away on its own. After about 45 minutes, it didn't stop. So I drove home, and my wife drove me to the hospital. On the way, I was beginning to go unconscious. But God. At this point, I was faced with death and realized that I was okay to die. But I saw my two-year-old daughter in the back seat, just talking away, and my panicking wife, who was pregnant, pregnant at the time. In fact, she'd be having our second child in five days. And I fixed my eyes on the dash of the car, and I prayed, Lord, please, for the sake of my family, let me remain. When I did that, the yellow went away, and we arrived at the hospital. And that was it. That was the turning point for me when it came to drugs. I no longer had the mindset of, one day, if, if even not for a year, I can do drugs again. No, this time I had the mindset of, I can never, ever do this again. It has now been five and a half years since I used drugs. There's a big difference between, I will try, and I will not. The lie of addiction is that we can't stop. That's not true. We absolutely can. Will it hurt? Yes. Will it take extreme perseverance? Yes. But if we trust God and endure the pain, 
we will find greater satisfaction once the addiction withdrawals have finished their course. You see, withdrawals hurt because with addiction, we have caused a physical change in our bodies that depend on the drug to operate correctly. Our whole body changes. Withdrawals are our bodies trying to function on a new normal, without drugs, the way God created us. And when we will finally heal to that balance, we will be okay. In fact, we will thrive better than when we depended on drugs because no longer do I need methamphetamine or heroin or marijuana or whatever. Now, all I need is God. And guess what? Hebrews 13.5 quotes God as saying, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. It typically hurts to heal of anything, but once you're healed, you don't hurt anymore. So with the help of the church, recovery partners, and the Holy Spirit, I was given the tools to lay drugs down for good. After that year, I went to seminary. This is when my life took another turn. After six months of me being sober and with my wife, she left me again. See, I had avoided addressing all the hurt I had caused and just acted like, well, I'm, I'm fine, so everyone else must be too. That was one of the worst times in my life. It was worse than prison, worse than withdrawals, and all of that, because the family that finally helped me to see that I needed to quit drugs was gone. And all this time I was in seminary training for ministry. I became bitter and resentful toward my wife, who was determined to divorce. But God. This is when I came to another recovery group called Regeneration, which is a Christ-based group. When we came to step number eight, which is forgive, I came across a question that asks, Do you trust God with justice for the sins committed against you? When I saw that question, I said, Nope, put the book down and walked away from it. As I thought about it through that day, about 12 hours later, I'd I thought about that question, discussed it with a fellow recovery partner of mine named Ken, and I came back to it and honestly answered, yes. I thought of Jesus' words from the cross, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. At that point, the idea of forgiveness changed in me. Forgiveness was that someone owed me. But Jesus paid for that debt. So forgiveness is the transfer of a debt that's owed to me onto Jesus instead. Do you know how freeing that is? You can transfer a debt to Jesus. And even if the person never notices it, never acknowledges it, never pays for it, they answer to Jesus, not to you. If someone has to answer to us for a wrong, they will never receive real justice. But if you give that debt to Jesus, they will pay in full. Even if that means Jesus will forgive them, 
So at this time in my life, I was ready to transfer that debt to Jesus. And if he was willing to forgive, it was enough for me because I trusted him with it. Anyway, after I wrote yes on that question, the very next day, my wife and I talked on the phone for more than 40 minutes, apologizing to one another, and within two weeks, we were back together again. And she herself has gone through a recovery group and has found healing. So now, I have finished my Master's of Divinity, which will have been nine years of Bible college. Then I finished a year-long chaplain residency at a, at a hospital. One of the best things, and one of the most thing, one of the things I'm most proud of in my Bible college career, is that now instead of reading uh, English in the mornings, I read the Old Testament in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. It's like reading the Bible in 3D. Now I'm working for a prison aftercare ministry in Lebanon, Pennsylvania called Jubilee Ministries. I'm so grateful to God for taking me out of the chains of addiction and the revolving door of incarceration. He has become to me a dear, dear friend. And if you, I assure you that if you put and keep your trust in Him, the turning points of your life will be coupled with the phrase, But God. Father in heaven, I thank you for life, for freedom, and I pray for those who may be listening now who are struggling with addiction or pride or any sort of issue that's keeping them separated from you. I pray that your Holy Spirit will get a hold of them, touch them, move them to a place of repentance so that they will put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ and that their life will continue to grow closer and closer to you. I pray that those that might be hearing this that don't know Jesus will have been touched and will give you a try. As your word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I pray for the nation of Kenya that you will cause a revival that goes from that nation to Africa to the ends of the world. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross so that we could live. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.